The Sixers Group Therapy Podcast is brought to you by Pain and Suffering. Some may call it a sweep, but I prefer to call it mercy. The Boston Celtics did exactly what we thought they would do, and they completed the four-game sweep of the Sixers. News broke today that Elton Brand will remain with the team, but Brett Brown has been officially fired, ending a seven-year run as Sixers head coach. We'll reflect on Brett's time here, as well as the possible coaching candidates and who we may prefer. The Sixers offseason is here, and we no longer have to watch him for the time being, but we're still going to have offseason podcasts where we're going to talk about all sorts of ridiculous shit. We'll give some history lessons on the process, talk about some what-ifs, and talk about whatever changes are going to happen this offseason. So don't you worry. We will be with you every step of the way. And with that being said, hit the trumpets. Welcome to the Sixers Group Therapy Podcast. Uh, I heard from a lot of people that our last episode was the most miserable they've heard any of us, like, ever. Um, And they actually found it quite hilarious. So please, cheer us up. Leave us a five-star rating. Give us a nice little funny review. Um, So since our last episode, the Celtics went ahead and did what we predicted and they completed the sweep. Uh, and then we were actually waiting until today to record the pod because we were waiting for the much anticipated Brett Brown news. Um, and today around maybe five o'clock, it broke from Adrian Wojnarowski that Brett Brown has officially been fired. And uh, it seems like for the time being, we are going to be stuck with Elton Brand, which we are going to get to. Uh, as always, I'm joined by the fellas. I have uh, the lost one, Mr. June Juan. It's finally over. <laughs> we're, just getting, we... we're just getting started, Jim. Just getting started. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, we have the one and only Mudbones. Let's do it. It's a very sad day. I still love Brett, and that was all about it was time for him to go. But just seeing his final goodbye and seeing some tweets and some some good memories that are overshadowed by the recent bad ones. Still still saddening. Yeah, I'd love to talk about some of those today. Uh, and then, last but not least, we have uh, Crip Hamilton himself, David DeBacco. That's, that's right. It's a, it's a new era for me. Um, I've retired Vladdy Debak, and I've, I'm on to Crip Hamilton. Um, so, <laughs> I will say, though, um, with, for, before our playoff predictions – or for our playoff predictions, rather – I said, heart, Sixers and seven, brain, Celtics and four. So my brain was right with my prediction for the playoffs. Yeah, I think we, uh, I think we all saw it coming. And uh, maybe we'll get to that series, but I feel like there's a lot more pressing issues to talk about. Um, first, if you guys don't mind, I'm going to start it off with Brett. Uh, there's, I saw on Twitter a lot of – Sixers fans posting celebratory gifts and memes, but uh, I'm sorry, I'm not celebrating with them today. Uh, this is, I, I fully agree with the move and that it was time for him to go, but uh, today is not a happy day for me. Uh, I'm probably considered one of Brett's biggest fans, and you know, he was here with us from day one. Uh, I consider him one of us. I rooted for him almost as much as I rooted for Joel Embiid. 
if uh, if there was still a another part of the process that was left on this team besides Embiid, it was probably Brett. Um, he, you know, he went through all the shit. He went through a ton of shit, like all the record-breaking losing, which was by design. Um, you know, he was always the one who had to be in front of the media whenever there was a weird scandal or some stupid shit that happened because let's face it, a ton of stupid shit happened to us over the last seven years. You know, he went through, uh, you know, he was always answering for Hinky and the Colangelos and even the owners. And he went through uh, the Hinky trades where some of his best players were traded away. And the Markel Fultz forgetting how to shoot, which might be the weirdest thing that ever happened in sports. And then Burnergate, which might be the second weirdest thing that ever happened in sports. <laughs> and after that, he had to take over as acting GM for possibly the biggest summer we had after winning 52 games and being one of the most promising teams in the NBA. Uh, and after that, there was also this weird ass roster we had this year and Ben Simmons refusing how to sh- like refusing to shoot and everything was shooting. I don't know what it is with this team and shooting. And uh, you know, what? he, he went through all that and he stayed professional, uh, professional and he handled it with class uh, even through his exit interview he refused to throw anyone under the bus and it was kind of heartbreaking to watch him in that interview. And, uh, you know, I think it was Keith Pompey who asked him, did we see him at his best? Um, you know, regarding, cause we had so many weird situations and injuries and he just said no. And he didn't elaborate. He didn't throw anyone under the bus. Uh, and you know what? I, I agree with him. I don't think we did see him at his best and, you know, but it's the NBA and weird things happen and things aren't always fair. Um, and there's definitely an argument that he wasn't a great coach. I mean, we saw it. He sometimes failed to make adjustments in the playoffs. Um, and even Josh Richardson said it on his exit interview that he didn't hold players accountable and he has to get better at that moving forward. Um, but, you know, like he had some pretty good moments when he was here. His first real season after actually having some good players, he won 52 games. The season before that, 27 and 10 games before that. Um, and then the next season with two huge roster changes, the two blockbuster trades as these hit pieces are calling it for Elton Brand, uh, he took us to seven games with uh, the eventual champions and the Toronto Raptors. And we possibly could have been a few bounces from the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, so yeah, you can make an argument that we should have beaten that team, but you know, Kawhi Leonard decided he wanted to be Jesus. And we see this year how good that Raptors team actually is with Nick Nurse winning coach of the year. Um, so I don't think it was a mistake bringing him back into this season. He deserved to see the season through. Um, but yeah, he did not do a good job. Um, and it was time for him to go. It wasn't all his fault. A lot of the blame is going to be on the front office, which we're going to get to. But, you know, over the past seven years, which is a very long time for a head coach, um, you know, he showed a lot of class. He showed professionalism. He went through so much shit and he had some good moments that, you know, let's be honest as Sixers fans throughout the last 28 years, we don't have a lot of good moments. So um, he, he did release a statement and it was almost perfect. Uh, He, he mentioned he literally went through probably the most extreme rebuild possibly in sports. He noted the 102 players he coached, which was definitely a subtle jab. Uh, and then he, he thanked Elton Brand, he thanked the owners, whatever. But then he, he thanked Sam Hinkey and not the fucking Colangelos. So uh, I really appreciated that. And I think that was a, a nod to six years in process fans. But um, 
Brett, there's no chance you hear this unless you're a listener. But, uh, you know, I don't think you have anything to be ashamed of. Um, I'm, I think me and the guys are sincerely going to miss you. And uh, we're wishing you the best. And uh, I personally will be rooting for you wherever you go. So that's what I got. Hey, hey Amen. Well said, Mooch. Hey, Amen. Yeah, that was, that was fantastic. I, was, I have nothing to add to that. That was perfect. It's <laughs> <laughs> like Andy Reid. I mean, I, I loved Andy Reid. It was time for a new voice with the Eagles. And I cheered for his new team immediately upon being scooped up by the Chiefs. I don't know if Brett's uh, – going to be as coveted as Andy might have been and I guess we'll probably talk about that but when he gets a new job whether it's a head coach or assistant or whatever might be in the cards for him uh, I definitely won't not be rooting for the guy yeah definitely um I mean we could if you guys don't mind uh we'll start this on a positive note do you guys have any what are your favorite moments during the last seven years of Brett there's probably one there's probably one that comes to mind of all of us, but feel free to share. I, I ahead, mean, June. the one. Uh, oh yeah, June, you lead us off. Uh, let me lead off. I, uh, this one's all over Twitter, so it might just be recency bias, but like seeing the celebration in the locker room after I guess we beat the Heat. Uh, was that last year? Two years ago. Two years ago. Two years ago. So that's his first playoff series win after losing ten twenty or winning ten twenty seven total games in a year. And seeing him doused in water and and bead like hugging him and oh so it's still lovely to see and oh my god I, I don't even know if I realized the magnitude at the time but looking back on how how things have soured since then and seeing like the apex of of maybe when things were good or starting to get good uh it's it gives me the chills yeah and then he like. I remember him, like, I think he kissed them, beat them in the chest, and, like, rested his head on there. Yeah, beautiful. And, uh, and my, my heart absolutely <laughs> melted. And uh, it's, it's like you said, Joe, it's sad to, if you saw that moment and you would have tell us two years later we'd be <laughs> where we are, uh, I, I probably would have called you crazy, to be honest. But, uh, but June, any, any, uh, any memories of Brett? Yeah, I mean, yeah, recency bias, that one came up all over Twitter. So that's up there. And I think, uh, what was it, 2016, when we were first-year season ticket holders, we had that uh, where they invite oh, you yes. to the game to talk to uh, Brett. Uh, yeah. Chalk talk. Chalk talk, yeah. We got the little pass. That was nice. And then I, from, I remember from that, like, my first impression of him was, like, he's like a personable guy. Like, he's like just someone's dad. Like, it was so, so cool. upbeat and positive all the time. Yeah, so – Man, it's – I mean, he'll be missed. But you know what? I'm kind of happy for him, like, because he went through so much shit here. Like, we didn't give him the right puzzle pieces to work with. And they expected him to win a championship with Tobias Harris, which is impossible. So I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad he's, he's out and he's on to better things, man. Hey, the uh, people were saying – he had $10 million left on his deal. So $10 million to go away and not have to deal with this fucking Boy, loser team. Yeah. That's not that bad, right? I'll take but, uh, that deal as a fan. Yeah. <laughs> that, uh, that, that shock talk, he couldn't have been nicer. And he mm-hmm. sincerely answered all our questions. Yep. And uh, even might have been brutally too honest with us. Can we recap <laughs> our two questions? Or at least I remember, I remember mine and Dave's. I don't know if we had any more from our group, but. Uh, what I was think, yours, Joe? Uh, I, don't, I don't remember yours. 
I think I led the way and I remember I had my hand raised or whatever, like panicking inside, probably had that cracked voice. <laughs> and I said, uh, I don't know how I phrased it, but essentially I said like, do you miss Jakar Sampson? And, or maybe I said like, who do you miss the most? Or I think I did directly say, do you miss Jakar Sampson in like a stupid way of phrasing it? And of course, as he uh, really elongated his response on Dave's question, which, which, uh, which I'll let him explain, and on this long rant about like how good of a human Jakar was and like in his cool accent that I wasn't annoyed with at the time, like his, uh, it was such a nice response. And like, that's when we clung on to the little things that we knew didn't matter for the long term, like our six free agents that might have been NBA players. And hey, Jakar's still out there in Indiana. Playoff minutes. Dave, go go over your question. Yeah. So, as you guys know, for the listeners that don't know, Patty Mills is one of my random favorite players in the NBA. And that's <laughs> partly because Brett Brown loves Patty Mills. He always refers to him as his Australian point guard. Uh, the Spurs versus Heat finals, Patty Mills was like, maybe the best bench guy of all time. Like in the five minutes into the game in the first quarter, like up waving the towel, going nuts on a little, like just the best teammate of all time. Brett always spoke very highly of him because of that. And uh, so I've always, I've always uh, loved the Brett and Patty Mills connection. So I asked him uh, to, to just tell us a good story that he has about Patty Mills. And he proceeded to give us a, a biography about his parents and the life that he had growing up and his like his patty mills father was like a pearl pearl fisherman or like a pearl yeah. hunter like uh something like you know like a scuba diver that would like i don't even know crazy but just another thoughtful answer uh like he gave to you and uh the thing with brett like i'll never forget the night that we traded Drew Holiday the night it all started. It was like pandemonium, like trying to follow along on Twitter and like what's going on, what are they doing? And I remember Zach Friedman texted me a screenshot. Woj or somebody tweeted out a report that the Sixers are interested in in uh, Brett Brown from the San Antonio Spurs. And Zach sent me a screenshot of that, and he was like, "We did it, Dave. We did it. Like mm-hmm. if we get this guy from the Spurs, he'll he'll be it." And then I remember thinking, like, "Oh my God, I hope they pull that off." And then they do eventually hire him all the way deep into the summer. And at his press conference, when Sam introduced him, he, like, was doing his classic, just, you know, being thoughtful, Brett. And then he just stopped and was like, can you imagine if we get this thing right? I mean, really, if we can get this thing right with the tradition that we ha- that this city has and the passion that they have. And, like, as soon as he said that, I was like, oh, my God, like, this dude's going to get us there. Like, I really believed that the culture he was going to build was going to get us there. And – Seven years later, it got us somewhere, but it didn't get us there. But for many absurd things that have happened over the last seven years, a lot of, of dark times, he was always a light. He went out like a professional, you know, like you guys said. He didn't, you know, throw anyone under the bus. His contemporaries certainly threw him under the bus with some of these reports that leaked out in the last 24 hours, wild. you know. Wild. But he, 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 didn't, he didn't stoop to that and, uh, you know, Came in with class, went out with class, and uh, I'll always uh, be fond of Brett Brown, no matter what the bandwagon fans had have to say about him in recent years. I love I, uh, his uh, – so, like, obviously, whoever it was, whether it's Cohen or Alex Rucker or 
I doubt it was Elton taking those shots and leaking shit to Keith Pompey. I loved his way of getting the last laugh, and I like to assume that it was definitely intentional by, as Nuge said, writing his farewell letter and just, like, gives a shout-out to Elton, which is significant because he didn't give a shout-out to the two other humans that were basically sharing the same role. So, I mean, I think that's a testimonial to, like, maybe – and we'll talk about Elton's role into the future, but maybe he was a pleasure to work with while these other two loser leftovers from Colangelo just either didn't bring much to the table from a decision-making standpoint, didn't bring much to the table in terms of being a pleasure to work with or some combination of negative things, but being left out of the letter, it was a, it was a good, uh, good final jab at them. And I loved it. I got to tell you guys after listening to all this like it it hurts so much more like i'm not kidding you when i said i was really fucking rooting for him man he went through so much shit and if you, you look around at the sixers team and the process might have been the funnest sixers era of our lives and this really is the end of an era and you look around at the sixers roster or the team and the only person left is Embiid. I mean, you can make an argument for Simmons, but he wasn't really – I mean, we love Simmons, or I don't know. He kind of frustrates me. But anyway, we love, we love Simmons, but Embiid was the – like the, he's the only true remainder of the process. And, uh, you know, we once dreamed of winning with all the guys we loved, Dario, TJ, um, Covington, Brett, uh, Embiid. But we look around, and now we only have Embiid. So uh, I'm still a firm believer that the process isn't over until Embiid says it is or until Embiid's not on this team. But, uh, you know, we're, we're so close to it being over, and uh, I'm, I'm really sad that Brett left. Um, to add on to the questions that we asked him during the Chalk Talk, uh, I remember asking him how he felt because this was Okafor's rookie season, how he felt about the fit between Nerlens and Okafor was, and he looked me, like, dead in the eye and said, uh, not great. <laughs> oh, my God. He was, he was brutally honest, and uh, I – that, I I found that hilarious when he he answered it so honestly to uh you know like we were probably what twenty I don't know twenty three at the time or whatever like giggling we got somehow <laughs> to the front row like didn't belong there at all I remember thinking it was the coolest thing ever and it was I I'd, I'd love to do it again <laughs> maybe be more of a dick I, that's coach. that's crazy how I um do you guys remember how I got that for us I was. I, w- I was in Plain. Cleveland, like for work. Yeah. I was in Cleveland for work, and I was like, my my coworker, like her and her husband, have uh, season tickets to the Cavs. This is when the Cavs had LeBron, so like once a year they would fly me to Cleveland for the weekend and just like take me around, take me to a Cavs game, and they their seats were like four rows off the court. So like it was like a Sunday afternoon game, like a matinee one o'clock game, and they took me. It was the Sixers versus the Cavs, and yeah. um, the fifteen win Sixers, and uh, we got we lost by like forty. But um, I got to see LeBron. It was cool. And then I got pretty drunk and they took me to the airport like after the game. And I'm like, I'm hammered on my plane just waiting to fly back. And some dude sits next to me and I, I had a Sixers hat on and uh, we start talking and turns out he's, he was like, who was our season ticket rep at the time? The first one. Yoder. Uh, fucking Matt Yoder. Great guy. Matt Yoder. It was his boss. Shout out. And like, yeah. And like, we just, we talked, we talked the whole plane ride home. This was like a week after they hired Jerry Colangelo, a week after they hired Jerry Colangelo. And I was like, dude, I don't like it. I got a bad feeling about it. 
I think they're going to force him out. And he was like, no, no, you know, he was like, <laughs> obviously saying whatever he had to say. But, um, and he, that's when he was, we talked the whole plane ride home and he was like, dude, get your buddies. I'll let you meet Brett Brown at this chalk talk. And that's how that happened, which is crazy. So, um, yeah, I love, I love Brett and, um, always will. Always will. Forgot about that story. Amen. That's so cool. Yeah, how that came that's, together. That's insane. Uh, it's just, it was meant to be, we met mm-hmm. Brett and, uh, you know, God bless you, Brett. But, uh, before I, as Joe yeah. mentioned, these, these stupid ass hit pieces that were so fucking obvious that they were trying to shift blame on Brett to kind of save their jobs. Uh, I want to get to that, but uh, before we do, does anyone have any other last words? I mean, before we talk about all the other people that should be fired, I mean, I think we're all in agreement that like as much as it stings, like it, it was the right decision to fire Brett. Right. I mean, it had to happen. Yep. I mean, like I, Brett wasn't dealt pocket aces or pocket kings or pocket any face cards, but he also wasn't dealt a two seven hand. Like the dude had players. Look at this this Toronto team that, like I think we probably looked on paper going into this year and maybe said these aren't even a playoff contender, and they're Nick Nurse coach of the year. However, made Kyle Lowry. OG, whatever, and three other players that I can't even list into the second seed in the East and just cruising through the playoffs. And we made a bigger mess of the mess of a roster that we were handed. So, like, I think Brett's voice got tired in the locker room. My turning point was probably when the whole, I'm, I'm telling Brett, uh, Ben to shoot one three a game and get to the foul line X times for a game and never shooting after that. That was such a awkward and cringeworthy thing to experience, knowing that I went into each game and probably 90% of the fan base, like, okay, his head coach has said it publicly. He's got to do it now. And just game by game, he didn't shoot. And, oh, God, I don't know. That was that was probably the beginning of the end. Yeah, I think there's definitely – you got to assume there was some internal clashing that resulted or was before that, but I don't know. Like the two players, I thought it was pretty meaningful that Josh, the newcomer came in and said, like he said what he said, Brett, maybe in the future, his constructive criticism is to hold players or coaches or whoever more accountable. And then from the top ropes, this new, uh, I'll take this one with a grain of salt, but Jonathan Simmons says about damn time. I assume that's just that like, guy, sal- man. yeah, that's just saltiness you for sucked. Yeah. <laughs> but then like, I don't know. Then like Matt's always in my ear about like, we're watching, we all watch these Maverick Maverick games, which are first of all, so fun to watch. Luke is the coolest player ever. Yeah. <laughs> um, and when Luke is off the court, like our equivalent is Embiid off the court, I guess, is our star player. And we just watch every second, like, okay, are we going to go down six on this, on his time off or 10 or 20? And they bring in Trey Burke, who got two games to experiment on our team. And like, sure, maybe he's a defensive liability, but like no team except no team can put out five players that have no flaws. Like I think a good right. or a better coach can hide these things or scheme around these things or make the the cards that he's dealt work. 
And I don't know. There's a lot of blatant examples of that, of like the Trey Burke type of situation where some some analysis or decision was wrong and we gave – we either didn't try it long enough or we gave up after two bad games or two bad possessions. But, I don't know. Again, my, my sadness yeah. overweighs my somewhat relief, but it was – it was time. Yeah. Like maybe yeah. he had, he wasn't, he was, he wasn't without his faults. Um, you know, maybe he had mm. too quick of a leash on a few things and, you know, <clears> failed <throat> to adjust to a few things. And I don't know. It's, it's just maybe, maybe I, I think Spike Eskin has used this analogy so many times, which I think is perfect. It's just, he was here seven years. Sometimes when you're looking at a puzzle, trying to make it fit, like it just it starts all blur to you and you don't even know what you're looking at anymore. And sometimes you need a second pair of eyes to come on and tell you what's going on. So I think he was just on this team for too long, looking at the, the some similar problems that we've been having. And I just think it, uh, it just all kind of blurred for him. And uh, I also want to bring up another tweet that was uh, uh, Joe Giglio, I think it's from a WIP or whatever, who said something like the Sixers failed Brett Brown way more than Brett Brown failed the Sixers, which I I kind of agree with, although Brett, we said Brett isn't without his faults. But then Ben Simmons' sister, Liv, uh, retweets this and says, this is a fact. So I, I'm so confused with, like, Ben, like, obviously not responding to him, but then Ben's sister coming out and, like, supporting him as if, I don't know, maybe implying that Ben liked Brett. I don't know, but it's just – It's weird it, because it's, don't don't – don't forget, Brett coached Ben's dad in Australia. Right. So, like, Brett Brown, like, held Ben Simmons as a baby. Like, he's almost kind of like an uncle to him. Like, yeah. it's weird that this didn't work out. Yeah. It's and really maybe, weird that this didn't work out. Maybe, maybe they were too the, close. Yeah. yeah they, there was an article from – sorry, Dave. No, I was going to say, the accountability thing, like, that's come up. Josh – Josh Richardson just said it in his exit interview or whatever. And, um, I mean, Jimmy said it when he went on with JJ and talked about his time here for the first time that, you know, in the film session, nobody said anything like maybe, maybe the reason Joel isn't, maybe the reason his conditioning isn't better. And maybe because Ben's three years in and has not gotten better. Ben is literally the same player that came in the league three years ago. He has not, he's his defense has improved, but like, Generally, when you zoom out, he's this, he hasn't added to his offensive game. Maybe we blame that on Brett. Maybe he just wasn't hard enough on them and didn't hold them accountable enough, like, to be professionals and take that next step, which is weird because he was always billed as a player development guy. And we always, you know, said he was a player development guy. But maybe, I don't know, it just seems like the lack of accountability has been popping up. And then you look at, like, the things with Embiid and Simmons, Embiid's conditioning and Simmons – unwillingness to shoot maybe he wasn't hard enough on him and then maybe that's a major maybe his biggest downfall is that he just doesn't like confrontation and was a little passive aggressive and just trying to keep everybody happy it might have been too much of a player's coach and i don't know the player coining him as a player development coach i mean that might come from the spurs but like from a to get it nerdy for a second he might have like statistically when you're trying out 102 players like the odds are some of them are naturally good to begin with and you're going to get maybe undue credit for turning them into players when most coaches maybe get like, I don't know, 15 players that cycle through the system and they try to develop. So Brett definitely had more chances there and that maybe helped his, 
helped his uh, claim of being a player development coach. But I think ultimately, as as Dave said, with the closeness to the Simmons family or to Ben himself, like maybe it just wasn't possible to – maybe it just wasn't comfortable enough to have these direct conversations or whether he didn't want to have them or Ben didn't want to listen, that he took the approach of, let me say, to the media, to the public. Like maybe that was his last – ditch effort to get something through his head and clearly it didn't work and I don't know who was right or wrong but that pissed me off on everyone's part yeah um I don't know just a weird situation all around but you know it's it's over <sighs> they're gonna they're gonna look at some new head coaches uh June anything to add about Brett's downfall before we move on to the front office and to the possibly new coaching candidates I mean, I think Joe kind of hit all the points there. I think uh, the accountability where he's just, you know, not making Joel and Ben, like, be a professional, improve their game because we watched them. They're the same guys that we had basically three years ago. Nothing has improved. Joel's out of shape. Ben still doesn't shoot. And I think, yeah, I mean, it's alarming that, I don't know if you guys recall, but when Josh Richardson came here, I think it was like beginning of the year, he said something about ability there in the beginning of the year too. Yeah, and, yeah. It, and it was brought up yeah, again. The so. wasn't, yeah, it wasn't the first time he brought it up from this yeah, last so, interview. You're right. Yeah, so I guess – And, of uh, course, look where, look where he came from too. Miami. Yeah, Miami. Miami Spolstra, the definition of accountability and a good, stable organization. Mm. And uh, where Jimmy Butler is thriving. <laughs> uh, so I, I don't know. I think that's a good transition because uh, the it's reported from Woj. I think it was Woj or either Shams. They both have the same story. The front runner of the coaching position is Ty Lue. And uh, one, <clears throat> of the, uh, one of the attributes. I can't believe this is real. Is, uh, I mean, I've heard some stories where he like, didn't back down from LeBron. Uh, I have my own personal take with Ty Lue, but uh, about June started off. What What do you think about Ty Lue as our next head coach? You're like, <laughs> you fire Brett and then you, you ask your next guy. It's, it doesn't, I don't know if it's an upgrade. I sure he won a championship, but you have LeBron. Like, did, did he? Yeah. Like, did he really do any coaching? And like, I think the thing is they're trying to get, like a coach that can talk into their stars. Like, do you think he really had any say to LeBron? And, like, I feel like LeBron would have had the most voice there, like, instead of Ty Lue. And I don't know. It's – I hope it's not true that he gets hired here or uh, – I don't know, man. It's – that's not good. Uh, yeah. Uh, I mean – we weren't in that locker room, but I it, it it didn't seem like it seemed like LeBron was making any decision he wanted during that final series. But anyway, uh, Joe, what do you think? I think it's fucking ridiculous that we already have a front runner for our head coach when we don't even have an established front office. Like that is so backwards. We are shaking up our entire GM president of basketball operations, whatever other fake titles we're probably going to create. And before we do that, we're hiring a coach. It's like, (laughs) isn't that something that the new GM or president of basketball operations 
should be signing off on or being seriously involved in. Like, it's almost as if this was decided between, I guess, Elton and Josh Harris and David Blitzer, like, for months. I mean, you don't just have a head, like a, a leading candidate the same day that you fired your guy. And granted, I think it was written in the books that Brett was gone. We knew we weren't going to make it far. Like, I, I assume it was pretty much understood by Brett himself that he wasn't going to be here this past this year. So I respect them doing some due diligence on what op- options might be out there. I think it'd be dumb if they didn't, but the fact that it's clearly already being leaked that their eyes are set on Ty Lu, regardless of my opinion on the guy, which I'll get to, like, I, I think that's so idiotic and backwards. Like it's way b- beneath the totem pole of decisions that need to be made. Like they're, yeah, <laughs> but Ty Lu, uh, wait, let me. Oh, sorry, Ty Lu. I always thought, and I, I've always been a bit of a LeBron hater. I think it's because I hate how much he complains about fouls and stuff like that. But I always, when I was watching those games with Ty Lu as coach, I always thought he had a, a face that made me like, like he was always confused, like not a punchable <laughs> face guy. Like everyone knows there's punchable face guy. He just Wondering. looked like he was. Yeah, he was always like. Like, maybe a step behind everybody. Yeah, maybe maybe smoked a little weed beforehand. Like something was just not fully there. And since then, I know that Mike O'Connor on the Ricky actually listed him as his top guy. So I mean, guy does much more homework than I do. But like, I don't know. I I, I ended this season saying I'll take anyone, even Stan Van over Brett, because it was it was time. So like, whatever, I'll take it. I just hate the order of operations that are going down Dave uh what are your thoughts on Ty Lu? and then we'll get we'll get to the front office because Joe alluded to it and then we'll talk about the other coaching candidates but uh go ahead on Ty Lu. uh <sighs> I can't believe I there are so many things I can't believe the first thing is that <laughs> I can't believe I have to watch a press conference tomorrow and listen to Elton Brand talk about how he's going to get us out of this mess that he got us into. Maybe, you know what? I've, you, let me, all right, let me stay on topic here. Let me stay on topic. <laughs> we'll Tyler, get to the front office. We, with this roster that we are stuck with, I can dream up any Chris Paul trade that I want, but the fact of the matter is we're stuck. We're going to get a COVID, am- every team is going to get a COVID amnesty and that's going to be Horford. So he does you – know, maybe we can actually keep him. Maybe, like, maybe it's not an amnesty. Maybe it's, like, you can pick one player that doesn't count against your salary cap. And, like, they still owe him the money, but, like – and he still stays on the team, but, like, his $28 million a year doesn't count against the cap. Like, I think every team will get, like, a freebie like that, so I'm sure we'll use that on now. Um, if not, I really don't know what's going to happen. But we're st- – Tobias Harris is – we're stuck with him. I mean, we are – and Simmons and Embiid – Look, Simmons and Bede and Feibel are the only three players that should that we should do anything and everything to hold on to going forward. We need to – Al, we need, he needs to be gone, or at least his money does. And But Tobias is a real big problem. Like, we're stuck with him. It's the worst contract in the NBA. Many GMs it's the worst contract in the NBA. Yeah. No one's going to be able to – we're not going to be able to move it. Like, we're going to have to attach, like, multiple future unprotected picks to get off of that contract. 
Like we need our the next coach needs to be a mastermind, like a Brad Stevens, Nick Nurse type character, not fucking Teron Lou. <laughs> <laughs> like am i am i in a you're not crazy simulation? it sounds like, so dumb what it sounds so dumb the fuck are we talking about here ty Lu? are you kidding me Teron Lu? you're telling me my gm is gonna be elton brand old school chevy the the, the the bust of a of a of a max free agent signing in 2008 and then making all these terrible moves to flush our assets down the toilet with a coach who Allen Iverson stepped over, who's been the, the <laughs> definition of mockery in Philadelphia for the last 20 years, that's going to be the head coach? What kind of fucking sick, sick game are we stuck in? Like, this is insane. That to, and Joey said it. Like, the fact that they just fired him today and already Woe just tweeting that he's the front runner is just – it's what's wrong. I mean, ownership – I sent you guys that long rambling thing yesterday. It's like they treat this team like any other investment they make in the private equity world. Like they buy a, a struggling company and they just fucking churn. They keep churning it until they get something that works and it's a revolving door. And that's what we're seeing. Like they do this every time. Like they always keep a holdover. They never like fully – the only time they ever did it right was with Hinky. Like they just fucking cleared house brought this guy in, let him build his staff and pick his coach and just let it grow and see what happens. And they, that's the only time they've ever done anything right. Every other time it's like they, they came in and it, they left Tony DeLeo on and Doug Collins and then, the, you know, all these – Rod Thorne and Adam Aaron. They're like they're – I don't know. The, your own Whitesman breaks it down in the tanking to the top book. But, like, they always have to bring carryovers. Like, every time they – like, with – when they brought in Brian Colangelo, they wanted to keep Sam Hinkie on as like a, you know, like to work under him. Like, remember that? But he didn't want to do that. And then Brian Colangelo leaves in disgrace and they keep all his staff behind. And, you know, Elton Brand comes in to be the puppet. And now they're firing Brett and they're going to get rid of all the Colangelo puppets, but they're going to keep Elton. Like, they just don't, they can't get out of their own way. They can't get out of, this is not. This is not uh, – you're not buying a, a $5 billion chemical company. Like, this is an NBA team. Like, all the successful franchises have owners that don't meddle in basketball operations that hire smart executives and leave them alone to fill out their right. staff and pick That's their coach the and do their job and just let it grow. And, like, yeah, and you know, I guess our situation that Hinky came into was extreme because of the hole we were in. So he kind of had no choice but to go the direction he did. Like, I, I don't know. I just feel like Teron Lou, long story short, uh, Teron Lou is not the answer. He's so, not the answer to our problems. What What the hell, and this, I might be jumping here so we could address this after, but what the hell was Elton's role this year if he's allowed to escape this thing unscathed? Are they basically saying that, all right, we're going to fire Ned Cohen and Alex Rucker, essentially claiming that they were in – they were responsible for the poor decision. So was Elton just a glorified PR guy like that? We didn't trust him enough to. He was a puppet. Yeah. We didn't trust him enough to have a real role last year when he was our big announcement. <laughs> so the other thing didn't work. So let's just try it this year. Like now let's, this let's one fully year give of, him the role. <laughs> now that he's got nine months of G League experience and nine months of being an NBA puppet PR guy. Now he's got enough to be the primary decision maker. Like, get like, the hell out of here. I don't get it. And we're, we're probably getting a little off topic with ownership. But, like, 
they, Dave said it. They got it right once with Sam Hinkie. They obviously were convinced by Sam Hinkie, and they were convinced that was the right move. And ever since they, they're, they're what their balls drop off. I don't like fucking like Adam Silver. They let Adam Silver take over their team and appoint whoever they wanted to, and they've been scared to make a decision since. Like they, they ha- like Josh. Knowing who Josh Harris is and who he associates with, there's no way he's not embarrassed by this fucking disaster of a team right now so like grow some balls and do the right thing fire the front office get people in there who know what they're doing and hands off like you could you know you could say a lot of things about the front office or about the ownership they obviously want to win they sign off on win now moves that were you know weren't the best and short-sighted but they wanted to win but if they truly want to win they need to fire everyone who was accountable for this season Get some smart people in here and keep their hands off. I don't know. And sell the team. And sell the team. Sell hashtag sell the team. But uh, I'll, yeah. I'll, they look. I can't believe he's gonna he's gonna steward us out of this. Like I cannot believe it. Like he since he's been the G. Like, is it him? Like, is he just a puppet? Is it really Alex Rucker and Ned Cohen and Mark Eversley that we're running the show? And Elton is just, like, the talking head PR guy, basically, that, like, we haven't had. That, like, you know. What uh, what What? I just said, there's too many cooks in the kitchen. But he's going to build a staff now with his limited (laughs) experience that we just talked about? He's going to – we're going to trust him to build a fucking staff that's going to get us out of this mess? Like – (laughs) <laughs> what am I am I missing something? It Assistant almost GM sounds like I cannot believe. Yeah, it, it sounds like they're gonna like promote him in uh, quotations to just a more glorified puppet role and maybe hire a true GM to build their own roster. Isn't that what the the Adam on Twitter said? Like maybe that's the route they're going. Which fine. Yeah, for so for those who uh, who didn't see the report after Brett Brown, uh, the report that Brett Brown was fired, uh, there was a report that Elton Brand is you know pretty much saying, and that there will be a large sa- uh, shakeup of the front office staff, which many people uh, are interpreting as that Elton Brand will be able to build his own staff, uh, which Dave and Joe just touched on it. There's a guy who. It seems like it was all collaborative, and they didn't, they did not trust them to make the big final decisions because you know they wanted to keep Colangelo's staff, and now, like Dave is saying, they're trusting this guy to build his own staff. What uh, counts as front look, office? Maybe, uh, Go on, Dave. Let me just let me say one thing real quick. Elton Brand, like everyone, obviously speaks very highly. Players respect him. Uh, allegedly, agents respect him. And like, maybe some maybe you'll learn from some of the shit that he's been through here, and he will become a good executive someday. But we're at a very pivotal point right now, where you know the, your star player Joel Embiid is not happy, and he's looking around, and he's the only one left. It's like all this promising future. Trust the process. He loved it here. That you know he was synonymous. We loved him. He loved us, and he would go out there and play hard every night and talk shit. Now it looks like he doesn't fucking care, and he doesn't want to be here anymore. Like. Brett is now gone, so it's only him now. And, like, this is a very pivotal moment in our, uh, you know, of this era of uh, – we know how hard it is to get stars. I mean, before Embiid and Simmons, the last star we had was Allen Austin. So, like, these guys don't grow on trees. 
And like we did, we can to keep them happy and maximize the situation around them while they're here. And like, again, not that Elton brand won't grow to be a successful executive somewhere someday, but this is not a time, the time to roll the dice on them. Like this is not the situation to take a chance. Like they need to go get somebody. They need to go get somebody that's not, that wasn't the GM of the Delaware 87ers a year and a half ago. Like this is not the situation for to take a chance on Elton brand. Like, I don't know. I just, I cannot believe, I cannot believe this is real. It just, it just seems like, you know, we're, uh, we're all breaking bad fans, you know, and uh, you know, Mike Ermintrout from Philadelphia. What do you say? He said no more half measures. And this feels like a half measure. And I just, I just don't see Damn. what they're, what they're seeing in on Rand. I mean, uh, we'll talk about, like we talked about the hit pieces. There was a hit piece that was glorifying his two blockbuster trades, the Jimmy Butler trade and the Tobias Harris trade. Jimmy Butler fucking left us and the Tobias Harris trade has proven to be a fucking disaster. That is who you're giving full reins to. Yeah. Congratulations. You executed a trade with, with multiple stars involved, but let's not focus on the results of the damn trade. What a dumb fucking compliment. Like, Oh oh my God. That's uh, But was it him that was it him that actually did all these moves, or was it the Colangelo puppet? Hey, remember he had his his daily call with, uh, <laughs> with oh. the GM of the Minnesota Timberwolves. Who who's the it, fucking like, GM? Here I am, David Cohen. Here I am trying to talk. Here I am trying to talk myself into this. Well, maybe it wasn't him. Maybe he was just a puppet. Maybe, <laughs> but no, because I it's like the whole reason Al Horford signing here is even a thing is because they had they were teammates four years ago, like. Yeah. They have a relationship. Like, do we even get a – does Al Horford even take a free agent meeting with us, a free agency meeting, if, if Elton Brand's not on the other side of the table? Like, that feels like his guy – that feels like his pick, and it's proved to be, like, one of the worst free agent signings in, in the history of the team. And what did that lead to with, uh, with MB, Dave? With Horford him being and unhappy and neutering him. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to be more professional, you gotta be. You can't talk trash. You gotta. You can't, can't crack jokes. You can't have fun. You gotta be a professional. There, yeah, we're gonna bring in this guy. Bullshit. We're gonna we're gonna let your two best friends go, and we're gonna bring in this fucking boring guy who you're gonna be just like. And that's how you win and be successful. Like Al, Al Horford never fucking won anything. Al Horford, who was talking shit to Daniel Tice after he scored his eighth fucking point of the game, is eight, he averaged six points per game in the series. And he's calling Daniel Tice little after he <laughs> scores a, a lucky ass hook shot on this motherfucker. Are you fucking kidding me, dude? We are down three nothing, man. <laughs> We're down man. three nothing. Oh my god. Wait, oh, I got a question sorry. for Al Horford. Did he have a some time left in that Boston contract? Was it a player option? Yeah, player option. Oh my god. Really? Jesus Christ. I don't know that. He opted out of it looking for his last long-term deal of his career. Oh, yeah, one year left? Well, yeah. his, buddy Elton, his buddy Elton gave it to him. <laughs> yeah, and clearly know, they, they were doing it for a while because he yeah. signed on night one. It's not like he was like, flying around the country like yeah. visiting teams yeah. and seeing where he's a good fit. So, okay, this Elton probably, Elton's probably been texting him since All-Star Weekend. Yeah, he'd like, <laughs> hey, he Elton, a daily text plan. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, exactly, probably. Fucking um, loser! Oh my! I cannot believe I have to sit there tomorrow and watch him on this press conference try to like get in professional mode and like crack some stupid fucking jokes and like pretend like 
Oh my God, this is so embarrassing. I don't want to root for them. I want to root against them. I do not want the Sixers to succeed. I want, it's like Joel Embiid's the last one, just send him off. Let's just move on. <laughs> like, just send him to Miami. Like, I As, hope he, he's, what, I mean, seriously, he might ask for a trade. I mean, what was it? He, his comments in the, in the, you know, post game interview weren't encouraging. You know, I want to spend the rest of my career here, but if I don't, we'll deal with it. Yeah. And oh. you know, I, I think as we grow up, we notice that the play, the players say what the fans want to hear. Embiid's mm. not going to. I mean, Embiid didn't throw anyone mm. under the bus. It was a fucking disaster of a season, and he didn't. He didn't. He refused to throw anyone under the bus. They they asked him a question. You know, what was the problem this year? And he said that was a stupid ass question. We were fine. We just lost. No, I and mean, he knows we had problems. Yep. He doesn't want to throw under the bus. Whenever he interviews, he knows we love him so much. And I'm, I'm pretty sure he loves us too, but he, he doesn't want to upset us. He's just saying, yeah, like I want to be here for the rest of my career. But Dave's right. It wasn't encouraging. He said, if I'm not here, then we'll deal with it. It is what it is. But he said he wants to retire here. I mean, I'll take his word for it. But as long as Embiid's here, like I have to root for them. But they like if he gets traded, I think – Look, there's a time when you realize, like, when we were younger, we thought, like, okay, we're cheering for the Sixers. They suck, but we're loyal. We're loyal fans. We're going to root for our team. Then you realize how much of a dumpster fire this organization is. And you realize you're not cheering for this fucking organization. You're cheering for basketball in Philadelphia. And if they trade Embiid and Embiid goes to a contender and goes on to compete for a championship, I'm going to be rooting for Embiid every step of the way because I think rooting for Embiid is rooting for Philadelphia basketball. Yeah, look, Miami's about to sweep Indiana out of the first round. Jimmy Imagine Butler. him beat on that team right now. Jimmy oh, Butler, the closer. Um, I mean, oh god. Anyway, let's. Uh, we were talking about Ty, uh, Tyron Lue. Uh, I just wanted to add something real quick before we get to the other coaching candidates. That uh, I don't think it should be overlooked that Ty Lue might be a clutch sports move. It, you know, he has a good oh. relationship, relationship with LeBron James. Uh, you know, won a title together. Um, famously, Ben Simmons, part of Clutch Sports. Uh, I, I, I'm not saying this would happen, but I'd look out for it that it might be a, a Ben move for Ty Lue. And we've talked about how much we've seen Embiid sacrifice for Ben. And it seems to be grow, a growing frustration with Embiid. And I definitely think they're fine together, but I don't think it's nothing about their fit. And uh, I just think it would be a very pro-Ben move. And if Embiid doesn't like what he's seeing and, you know, how they're game planning, he might demand a trade. And that might be what Ben wants. Who knows? Maybe Ben wants to run a show by himself. I don't, I don't know what's going through on the heads. Like a lot of things that they all, like we just said, like the players say things, but they, you know, they could be fake. I, I feel like a lot of things that Ben says are fake. Um, he, he, did we talk about his tweet where he said that I, I watched no. my team get swept and it hurt and I never want to see it again. And like, that sounds all great. And he's getting 10,000 likes and a bunch of retweets, but does he really mean it? He, he did not shoot a three after Embiid and Brett begged him to do it. And he would not shoot a three for the rest of the year. I'm sorry. I'm getting off topic, but it's just something to look out for. Tyron Lue might be a clutch sports hire. Um, but yeah, I don't know what you guys think about that, but. Yeah, it makes me it makes me hate this organization even more, and make make me want to root against them even harder. Like, so uh, I hope you guys yeah. get your money back. I am so fucking happy 
that I am not <laughs> funding this this train wreck anymore. It's uh, like for those that don't know, me and Joe committed for one more season uh, in full of season tickets for the Sixers. Uh, who knows if there is if there are fans in sports next year. I mean, the Miami Dolphins claim they're going to have 13,000 fans in their stands, which is the one fucking state that should not have fans attending a game. Yeah. Fucking Florida. Um, but I, who knows if there's fans next year and uh, maybe get a refund and maybe we get like a, a, little, a little amnesty opt-out clause. <laughs> we need a COVID refund. <laughs> I, uh, I'm buying, I buy Ben's tweets. So even a simple like, Smoke I want to buy in so bad. Emojis. Like, and I might. This is just me holding on to like this, a shred of optimism. But it, uh, I, I think I'm just such a Twitter fan that any any player that tweets, I'm like, all right, I'm, I could do this. I could roll with this. Like, you know give me throw a couple of those emojis that he posts before every game, and oh my god, I'm I, I can forget about my sorrows. We should have known from the beginning. In the first game of the season, Ben tweets one, one emoji of the guy like you know blowing steam out of his nose. Josh Richardson follows it up with two, Tobias with three, and Bede with four. And then when someone finally has to remind Al Horford this is going on, he tweets one emoji with a thumbs up or something. What a piece it of was shit! All downhill from there. The dude had no. I remember the. Consultants <laughs> work. Who did he do like an interview with? Um, so, someone I interviewed him talk all season. <laughs> someone interviewed Embiid, or someone interviewed Horford when he had just committed to signing here, and he was like, "Yeah, I haven't really talked to Embiid, or I haven't really talked to Al. I forget who was talking." But they're like, "Yeah, well, who who was talking to him, June? What, what, what was, was that the introductory press conference? ESPN. Oh, I think I, it was Rachel. Was it Rachel Nichols?" They were at the practice facility. But I was just like, wow, I expected this to be like from the get-go. You're the experienced vet and you're in here excited to like teach the blooming superstar like your ways while you and your career of the NBA. And like he was like, yeah, I haven't really talked to him yet. I'll, I'll try to teach him a few things. Like what the fuck, Brett? Elton, like when you were having your handshake deal, how is this not like – we are bringing you here to teach our youth. Not like we're bringing you here just because you beat our ass in the playoffs every year. So we'll pay you $28 million. So you're just not on the opposite side of the court. I hate him. <sighs> God, it was a fucking disaster. Let's, uh, let's get rid of the two guys that you love playing with most, Embiid, and we're going to get this same fucking – this player who plays the same position as you and is probably your nemesis. And we're going to hope that you love playing with him because he's a fucking loser. And uh, yeah, I don't know, but I want to get to uh, the other coaching candidates before we get, it's too late. Uh, Other than the guy Iverson stepped over, uh, there was Jay Wright from Villanova. They're expected to make a play for him. Uh, Also assistant coach, uh, M.A. Udoka under Brett Brown, um, who was at the time a candidate for the Chicago Bulls. And then David Yeager, who was formerly of the Kings and the Grizzlies. The, uh, uh, what, what they call the Grizzlies with, the, uh, with Marcus Saul and uh, Randolph. Grit and I Grind. Grit and Grind Grizzlies. Uh, he was there for like at least one or two seasons. And then what? Um, Where'd he go? 
he went to the Kings, and that was a disaster. With, he didn't get along with Cousins. Cousins, yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure he was fodder after a year. Um, yeah. And then uh, that that was all that was mentioned. No, no Stan Van Gundy. Uh, no Jason Kidd. I'm surprised. Yeah, I'm surprised no Stan Van Gundy. Thank God no Jason Kidd. I think that would make me more mad than Ty Lue. <laughs> um, but, oh, my God, what was I just going to say? I was just Sam Van Gundy, who, like, uh, was, like, openly trying to, like, as if he was interviewing during all the broadcasts of, uh, of TNT, I think it was. He was kind of saying what he'd have MB do and not do. Ben Simmons oh. is the defensive player of the year, all that stuff. I remember Dave, Dave Yeager. Is that how you say his name? Yeah. He, um, I feel like, yeah, he didn't get along with cousins, but in Sacramento and Memphis, wasn't he like a good coach? Like, doesn't he get the most? I feel like I remember them always playing good and like being confused why they fired him. Mm. Yeah. You know what? I, he got a lot out of that Grizzlies team. Um, I, to be honest, that was such a blur. I don't remember the Grizzlies had so many like, like late, playoff exits that like were pretty successful but i know they liked them and there was one one series where they got eliminated after a really hard fought series and he was like crying sticking up for his players so i know memphis really liked them and i was very confused that they fired him because it seemed like the players liked them and they had some success but yeah i was actually you're you're right you're absolutely right i was confused why they fired him but uh, i know his king's tenure was a was probably a disaster I I, well, I I you know what I I might be more interested in him than you know Ty Lue. I, no, I don't know. I don't even know anymore. I have an idea. I have an What's idea. Up? Why don't they fucking Why don't they put a front office in place and let them all pick their <laughs> let the people let, let the smart people job. decide it. Yes. Let them do their job. How about that? I mean, yeah. I I want ownership. Oh. I mean, there. I think there was a report that ownership's going to be heavily involved in this coaching search, which I do not of like. Of course at all. they are. Obviously, they're always going to be. They're always going to be heavily involved in everything, and that's why we're never going to win anything while they own the team. Sorry, sell the fucking it's team. Just, I don't sell the fucking. I don't team. see it. Um, There's no they, shot that they give it to. Uh, how do you say our assistant coach's name? Udoka. Udoka. They can't. They can't. I, it's too close uh, to home. They, yeah, yeah if there's no if there's no accountability with Brett, why is there going to be accountability? Yeah, I, I don't know if I'm interested. Yeah, I'm I'm not that interested in Emmanuel. <clears Udoka. throat> um, Jay Wright, I I can't see him leaving such a comfy situation for such a dumpster fire of an organization. No way. Um, I mean, I don't even know. He isn't. He, I'm not the biggest college basketball fan, but isn't his like offense is mostly like guard based. Like they don't they have like their big man's like six eight, <laughs> three three guards and, and two forwards. You telling me he's gonna know how to how to coach Embiid? I I, I don't know, but yeah, I don't he's know. Gonna coach two centers and two even, power forwards. We don't even have guards on our team. We have no point guard. We can't make entry passes. Yeah, I, I I'm skeptical of the college to NBA transition. I mean, I take the shot. I don't give a fuck at this point. I don't I mean, think so- he would sign up for it to begin with. But like, I don't know. He seems to be like a another player's coach, which, I mean, I, I think they always tell Villanova is like their players, are, they don't want to do the one-and-done deals. They want players committed to the team, and mm-hmm. they've had success <laughs> doing it. But do we want another, like, I don't know. I'm, I'm always going to lean players coach, but, like, just fresh in my mind is how this last one didn't work. And I don't know. I'll take him, too, just to be honest. Give me the <laughs> fuck that they – I mean, I just uh, – yeah, I don't know. I mean – has there even been like a lot of college coaches that have made the transition? That was great. I mean, Larry Brown was like 30 years ago. Um, fucking Billy Donovan, maybe. 
other than that, I can't Rick Pitino was a disaster, right? I can't think of many college coaches that made the jump and had success. I mean, it's a very small sample size. Yeah, but, I don't, I don't even know any, many examples. Brad um, and then, oh, Brad, Brad Steves. Oh, but he's he's a funny. He's guy. a different guy. Yeah. He's a different, and he ends Boston, and Boston has some good luck with us, and they, and Bees said it himself, we're the Sixers, we have bad luck. Uh, anyway, uh, Emma Udoka, I. I know people like to use the Nick Nurse example. I mean, uh, I don't know. I think the Nick Nurse thing was like a one in a million move and good for them. Yeah, I think he's an awesome coach, but uh, I don't think Emilio Doka is the answer. I mean, it's who is – who's We're getting guys? Ty Lue. There's no – like, it's Is there even there. a point in talking about who you guys would prefer or is, is, are yeah, we going to accept it's Ty Lue? It's over. The story doesn't <laughs> leak and, like – Woj has – yeah, Woj has the report. Someone leaks Woj everything. Maybe it's yeah. Ellen. I don't know. But, like, it wasn't said, like, as speculation. It was more like, yeah, if he's the main candidate and they have mutual interest, what's not going to happen? We're going to argue over a couple hundreds of thousands of dollars? That doesn't happen. We're, we're going to have Ty Lue before we have a front office. Oh, my God. Which, if it's going to be Ty Lue. Sorry, I don't care. Uh I asked this facetiously in our group chat, but valid question. The the step over is like the staple of every pregame or Twitter highlight video that's posted by the Sixers or displayed by the Sixers. If he's your head coach, do you have to erase that? Like you can't be, you can't, that's unacceptable. Like, your players look up every game after the national anthem or before it and just see their coach getting – looking up AI's fucking – seeing his nuts in his face? Like, get the hell out of here. I mean, Alan Iverson shows up to basically every Sixers game, and they always introduce him, and they yeah. always show the highlight reel, and the last highlight is him stepping over Tyron Lue before, like, they blast off the fire or whatever. And then they introduce Iverson, and then the last thing you see on the screen is – his balls and Tyron Lue's face. So uh, it's, they can't they, do away with that. I would, they, they can't, can't. fucking That's hire so much Tyron of our history. Lue. They cannot hire Tyron Lue. They can't. They already did. They can't. They fucking. I mean, while we're talking about Tyron Lue, Joe alluded to Mike O'Connor's positives. You want me to read them off real quick? His <sighs> positives? Yeah, this is his thoughts on Tyron Lue. Yeah, the most from positive. one guy. So, he was. He's like zero and six without I, LeBron. I really, I really like Mike O'Connor, though. But uh, Mike O'Connor of the Rights to Ricky Sanders podcast, a, a real Sixers podcast, <laughs> his, uh, his thoughts on Tyron Lue, uh, great offensive playbook, underrated tactician. I'm saying this with – I don't know if you can hear my tone, but I'm saying this with a question mark. Um, unlike Brett, is not afraid to stray away from his game plan and make adjustments quickly. Knock on Brett. Uh, stands up to and commands respect from stars, which is – I. We might need that. I don't know. We might need that. Good. Drive, drive them away. <laughs> drive them away. They're so are there. Our players are so sensitive, probably from just not being criticized for the last Brett Brown era. That you know, anyone that yells at them, they're probably going to be some pussy millennials and and cry about it and demand a trade. So bring it on. Let's let's hey. let's bungle the whole thing. Listen to this. On the downside, Sorry. his rot- his rotations always drove me nuts, which is something we've always. We're driven nuts by with Brett. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Th- so, we we seem to think it's going to be Tyron Lue. Dave's still holding out a little hope that it might not be. I don't know. I this 
I have no faith in this front office or ownership. I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if it's fucking Jason Kidd. I don't know. It's going to be someone dumb, and we're going to hate it. And Embiid's going to demand trade by the end of the season, and Miami's going to win a championship, and then we all can just die. I think the only the – only, Jay Wright is the only one I could get excited about. I mean, if I had to choose from that list, probably Jay Wright. I don't know. He has some swagger to him. He's won championships for Philadelphia. Philadelphia would eat it up. WI, can you imagine the WIP callers? They'd be fucking eating this up. Um, I, I don't know. Tyron Lue doesn't really do it for me. Emmanuel Doko, whatever. David Yeager. I, honestly, I probably take Stan Van Gundy over these guys. If I'm being honest. I would too. I would. I, I would. I take, honestly I would. I even, honestly would. Stan Van Gundy or Jay Wright? I'd even think about that. Yeah. Honestly. Um. So, yeah, um, moving on, uh, also very important. Woj also tweeted with all these news that it's very unlikely that Ben and Joel get separated. So Good. we're going to get what we want. We're going to see them with a new coach. I don't know if we're going to see them with a, a roster overhaul, but uh, we're definitely going to see a new system in place for them. Um, that would have stung. If I saw a report like, yeah, we're shaking up the front office and we're going to explore options to to get rid of a star like oh my god I, that would have ended me as much as like if we were going to trade one i'd say trade them both so i could be over with this team but move on with our lives know. i'm holding on hope we have to see them get we got to give them one more coach that can maybe figure something out better and a better front office that could plug in some better puzzle pieces but i don't, I don't know how much how much longer i could be saying that We've uh we've been very negative this podcast, but I will say the one positive, and this is in theory. I want to emphasize in theory, we have two possibly stars. I don't I don't know if they're stars all stars. I mean they're all stars. I don't know if they're superstars yet, but they're two very promising, you know, youngish. Joel's getting up there, youngish players, and as long as we have them two, we might have a fighting chance. Um, I'm as much as as much as Ben frustrates me, I I am exhausting all options before I'm separating this two. Um, I don't know, I don't know what it's going to lead to, but uh, I'm rooting for them. And uh, I don't know. What do you guys think? We have to put them with a guard. I mean, yeah, they're not going to. I said it earlier. Like the hardest, the last, the, the last time we had a star was Allen Iverson. Like these, we're we're fortunate enough to have Embiid and Simmons. They have their flaws for sure. Uh, but we have them, and as long as we have them, they have to try to make it work, and they will. They're, they can't be that fucking stupid to trade one of them, unless unless they hold a gun to their head and demand a trade, which you know I don't think it's they can't. Like it's still they're still so young, and they can't have that much leverage yet. Maybe Joel, if next season goes bad, then maybe Joel actually does. But for now, I mean, they have to do everything in their power to pair those two guys with a a point guard that can create their own shot, especially in crunch time, make, find those, find Simmons and Embiid, set them up in their spots where they want to be and shoot off the catch and dribble. And like, they need a, like, who's the best point guard that, that Joel Embiid has ever played with? I said this in our other group chat. I said it earlier. (laughs) Like I put in the poll, I put Sergio Rodriguez, Jared Bayless, uh, McConnell and uh, Howell Neto. (laughs) And Trey Burke, who's the best point guard they've ever played with? He's what? His best friend, TJ. 
That's what I'm saying. Do you guys like Joey? What do you think? Or uh, Mudbones, whatever your name is. I, uh, is like, do you, how do you feel about that in the, in the group earlier? Like you actually. I said disrespectful like, question, not because you left out Ben. I said disrespectful question. Cause the obvious answer was TJ McConnell. Is TJ. Exactly. <laughs> no, I know. But like about like Matt and Boz, like believing in Ben as the point guard of the future. Like, do you got, how do you all feel? Do you feel comfortable from what you've seen from Ben in his first three years, like in today's modern NBA, watching the playoffs, seeing Donovan Mitchell and yeah. Jamal Murray and all these guys drop 50 and go out and create their own shot and get buckets. Like, sure. do you, do you feel confident as Ben Simmons being your start, your, your point guard, your primary initiator? Going can, can I take this one? I don't. I, yeah, go ahead. Um, and that's not a job not. at Ben. I want to keep Ben. It's not a job at Ben. But, it's not a job at Ben, but Look, I know there's all the stats where, like, there's, you know, even without shooting, he creates, like, the most open threes for, like, any any one player in the league. He creates the most open threes. But, look, it, the regular season and the playoffs are completely different. Like, it may lead – like, his first two seasons, maybe three seasons, we could have won 50 games with him, whatever. But you looked at those teams, and they had obvious flaws. <laughs> and we saw it exposed versus Boston and versus Toronto. There's a ceiling for that. If you aren't willing to stretch the floor and be that that perimeter scorer, which I, I don't think he has that a perimeter score in him anyway, there's a ceiling for what you can do. And I'm fine with him having some ball handling duties, being like a point forward, but he for Joel and Ben to work, they need a a point guard who can create off the dribble and who players are afraid that are gonna stretch the floor. Because if you look at it with Embiid, like they keep saying Embiid, you have to post up. You have to post up. He's fucking trying. It's not that easy. <laughs> he has no players who are reliable or who he trusts to dish the ball off after he gets double teamed. And the Celtics aren't fucking afraid to double team, knowing that all he has to pass to is shake fucking Melton. Like, come on, guys. Like, it's not that hard. It's not that hard. It's I think Ben. Hard. Yeah, I think Ben oh, can be <laughs> like, like two times or three times or X amount of times greater than the Draymond role where he is playing the same type. Like he's bringing up the ball, maybe much more than Draymond. He hopefully gets more aggressive with attacking or cutting or doing whatever. He's already a defensive star. Like I don't think the answer, it, it will ever be feasible for him to be the, the point guard that brings it up every time that facilitates our half court offense. I don't think, from what I've seen over the last three years, I just don't think that's um, going to happen. That being said, I think we could be a fucking phenomenal team with him <laughs> at the four, Embiid at the five. And I don't even know if it needs to be, like, a point guard. Like, I, I still think if we had C.J. McCollum, on this team would have been – obviously would have been so much better. We just need a creator that can dribble. Right. A creator that's not going to get his pickpocketed two times a game crossing half court or trying to do a crossover. Like the things that are supposed to be like, like you you know how to breathe. Like these guys should know how to dribble if you're a guard in the NBA. And we have just sent out non-dribblers. Dave Um, nailed it. Is Ish Smith the best point guard we've had since Drew Holiday? Neuro's the well says so. (laughs) Ish was dope. I mean, think about that. I mean, why was Ben – Ben Simmons never played point guard in his life. Why did we make him a point guard all of a sudden overnight? Because the point guard they drafted to play this role we're talking about forgot how to fucking shoot. 
and we didn't have a point guard. So, so Brett said, okay, here's our point guard. We're just going to make him the point guard. And like, it has limitations. Yeah. He's like you said, he's all the, the, the numbers assisting on three pointers. We already had that team. We had the team with the surrounded by three pointers. We saw it had limitations. It got us as far as it could. Great regular season team. You get exposed in a seven game series. Like, Mm -hmm. He's yeah, just we, saying he's not a point guard is not saying he's not a special unique talent that we should try to retain and, and right, maximize right. around, you know, it's just, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Logic. We, I feel like there's no more logic in, in the world anymore. Listen, we had a, we had a, a point guard who won't shoot. And then we had a point guard who forgot how to shoot. <laughs> this is the shit Brett Brown had to deal with. All right. Not making excuses, but that's just how the shit he had to deal with. But uh, Dave, you 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 hit it right on the head. You're I'm watching that Donovan Mitchell and Jamal Murray go at it, literally go at it. Fifty points, fifty points, and I'm thinking to myself, the Sixers didn't do not have a player who could do that. When it comes down to crunch time, a player who can just create their shot. I mean, we'd love for it to be Embiid, but you know, and this is going to be a conversation for a next podcast about building a championship team around a center. But, like, it's just – it's too easy the way the NBA is built to just collapse on Embiid. And if he doesn't have anyone who's going to create, it's – we're toast. Watch any other last possession, and you, you literally give the ball to your guard, send everyone else to the corners, and it's a one-on-one ISO game. Embiid, that, you can't do that with a center. And, I, and I'm not saying Embiid isn't a killer. I do think that he wants the ball. It's just not a realistic way of scoring that last bucket. We need a guard that can create for himself that is a goddamn killer on the court. And until we get that, we, we're, we're capped. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. we won't get him with 21 overall because we have to trade that along with all of our seconds and everything else to get rid of Tobias. <laughs> get well, Tobias, but uh, goddamn, that contract, man. Can't blame well you for taking it. Team. Can't blame you for taking it, but uh, holy fuck. <laughs> anyway, uh, so guys, I'm dread. I'm dreading this press conference tomorrow. It's, it's eleven like, o'clock. You said <laughs> eleven o'clock. I'll be watching with you, Dave. I don't work till three, so I'll be watching. I'll watch till two. Ten o'clock for me. I love that. Um, yeah. Morning coffee, so, knock out some emails, get on the conference call. Boom, press conference. All right, I'm excited for it. You gotta hear. I gotta hear what the. I cannot wait. To, oh, I, I cannot can't wait, wait to hear what this fuck guy so quotable. has to say. It's gonna be oh, so quotable. So many memes. So I many hope, memes. I hope. I hope Howard Eskin sinks his teeth into <laughs> into into him. I I cannot wait until Howard gets the microphone. I've oh, I've really so grown good. to appreciate Howard Eskin. I think he's mm-hmm. fucking hilarious, dude. Yeah. I, I don't know. fucking don't love Howard. He's so funny. <laughs> it's all a bit. The whole thing's a bit. And What's it's he, hilarious. He call, he's great. He calls him, he's he calls so him good. Be- Benjamin Simmons because he has no check. <laughs> I I don't know when I made the transition. I hated Howard with my guts. And yeah. I don't know what happened, but I fucking I know, love him. I know what, what happened because what? he we, we hated him because he hated Hinky and we loved Hinky, but with Hinky gone, he he just goes after whoever's there. That's his thing. Like whoever's there, he just he goes after them. And like and you, we started going after Colangelo. We were like, oh yeah, fuck Colangelo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and now he's going to go after Elton Brand. And yeah, go get his, get him, King. Get him, King. And you it's realize it's all it's all a fucking bit, and it's fucking hilarious, and I love it. But uh, 
you know, we didn't, we didn't even talk about the Celtics series. We, we knew we were doomed. We knew we weren't winning that. We don't even care for discussing what happened in the Celtics series. We know what their issues are. Uh, you could probably get better analysis from like, you know, Zach Lowe, not from fucking us, but uh, that's how crazy this, all this whole situation is. And this off season is huge for us. Um, I got to end it on this guys sir. What do you think we can expect from this off season? Real quick. I think we're still stuck with one of the bad contracts going into next year. June, what do you think? Yeah. I honestly don't know, man. I honestly don't know. Yeah, this team's a wild ride. Right? <laughs> <sighs> uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and, Dave, I want to end it with you what you think. But uh, I, I think it's going to be so hard to get off those contracts. Uh, I think there may be a team that could convince themselves that Al Horford might be like a missing piece and they're willing to go for it right now. I don't see how any team watches what Tobias just did in the playoffs with Ben Simmons being out. Like you would think with the second best player being out, like Tobias, here's your time to shine. Like show everyone why you got $180 million. And uh, the only reason he got it was because our front office is full of shit. And uh, I, I think Tobias is going to be here. Uh, I, we, we're going to have to t- attach a ton of picks and, and uh, assets to get rid of Horford. But I think if there's one they try to move, it's probably Horford. But, uh, and I think Tyron, who's going to be the coach. But, uh, go ahead, Dave. <laughs> oh, I'm just swimming around in, a, in murky waters right now. I just – I'm not confident. I mean, we've seen this movie before. These owners, they don't, they're not going to get it right. They never get it right. They've got it right once. And uh, until I'm not confident they'll get it right again, especially this time. I think, uh, oh, I think, uh, I think I'd rather have Landry Shamit right now. I'd yeah. rather have Landry Shamit and all, all the assets and, and uh, two first round picks and two second round picks right now. Sure. Mm. I think the only thing and that gets me optimistic is we hire Sachin Gupta from, from Minnesota. That would but never happen. Never happen. Yeah. Whatever. A- absolutely. Zero. So, We're going it's into too, an off season. With, too logical. Uh, yeah. So yeah, that, that just about does it guys. We're going into an off season. We're going to have, uh, we're going to have Elton brand at the helm. Uh, <laughs> I'm predicting coach Tyron Lou step over guy. Uh, and oh, I we'll can't see what happens with the roster. Uh, we're going to have plenty to talk about this offseason. We, we were discussing, uh, you know, on our chat, uh, we're going to save our segments for the offseason pods because the offseason was probably really near. And, guys, guess what? It's here. And uh, we're going to talk about some of the worst moments of the process. Uh, to cheer you up, some of the best moments of the process. We got Mudbones. We still have four remaining on Mudbones' top five list. Uh, we're going to talk about some of Lade's fake trades, some of Lade's what-ifs. Uh, s- shit's going to happen in this offseason. We're going to talk about that. We'll see what happens. We'll, as soon as they hire a coach, we'll talk about that. Um, there's going to be a lot to talk about. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, Embiid moving forward, Ben Simmons moving forward, a lot. So, uh, you know what? I'm kind of relieved that the season is over. Um, good for you, Brett, with the $10 million and not having to coach this fucking team. Uh, we appreciate you, and uh, I guess uh, to end it, what's uh, what's for dinner this week, guys? This week, whoo! I meal prep some some chicken parm, but baked, so I could tell myself that it's healthy, Ooh, clean. Yeah, it, it, 
I had it tonight, and I got four more. Tonight was fire. I have a feeling I'll probably eat one of the remaining four and toss the rest. <laughs> Love it. How about you, Jane? Wait, before I get to my food, how long is the off season? Do we know? This year? You wouldn't fucking know, do we? Is it December? They're not set yet, right? We don't even know when the season's starting, right? They think they're yeah. toss over December, but I think yeah. it's over. It might have said January. Oh, man. Uh, well, there we were tweets no coming idea, out. Man. They were tweeting, I think, like, over the last few days that they're delaying free agency and shit like that. I, oh, I shit. wasn't fully staying on top of it. Yeah. Yeah. But for my food, I baked some salmon, so I'll have that. See how long that lasts. <clears throat> Clean. How about you, Dave? Uh, boring meal prep. I got some, some brown rice, some baked chicken. And some steamed broccoli and cauliflower. Yep. Clean. Clean. I'm proud of you guys. Uh, I've been eating very, very dirty. Uh, It's not my fault. My kitchen's still knocked down. Um, Last week, the plumber didn't show up, and the cabinet guy ghosted me. Um, So I still don't have a kitchen. Um, (laughs) And I'm too lazy to grill. I know. I'm being bad. But uh, I have a gang takeout. I had little nanas the other day. Awesome Italian oh, yeah. food. What's that? Getting meatballs. Uh, Italian food. It's uh, it's on eleventh uh, and Locust, maybe, around there. Uh, fantastic. A lot of big portions. Uh, fantastic spaghetti meatballs. Uh, a bunch of a bunch of shit that put me to sleep for five hours. But uh, beautiful. Love it. And then I'll be getting more takeout. I'll send you guys pictures. And uh, yeah, that's all I got for you guys. Ra- rapid fire. Who's everyone rooting for for the rest of the playoffs? Dallas. You got to pick one team. All right. KC. So all... Oh. They won today. Hell yeah. Yeah, 2-2. Two, two. Mike D'Antoni. Fire him. <laughs> uh, Portland. I'm, I'm with Nuge. I'm a Mavs fan from here on out. <laughs> I, I got to say, I know we're – I'm sorry. This is a long podcast. But Luka Doncic has no business being as good as he, as he is. I, I, I at first I wasn't sold on him in early in his rookie season. I started like climbing onto the bandwagon, but like there's no way anyone saw this coming at 21 years old and in his second year he had 42, 17, and 13. Are you fucking kidding me? That's he legendary. So cool. He's like, awesome. I, He's so cool. I'm getting a jersey. Did I? Did I say Hazonia? I meant Doncic. <laughs> you, Dave. You were on the Doncic bandwagon from day one. So um, I give no, you. No, I was. No, I wasn't. No, I wasn't. I was not on the Doncic. I'm I, I'm so scarred from I'm so scarred from my Hazonia uh, belief that I just I was actually anti Doncic. Oh, maybe I'm, I maybe was I'm like, confusing with the Hazonia. Yeah, I thought you were pro yeah. Doncic. <laughs> no, no, I I was anti Doncic because I was so pro Hazonia. I, I I got I flew too close to the sun. I had to I had to step back. <laughs> I was I was with you, and uh, I'm the idiot who uh, hey you know I'm biased. I like to refer guys a friend uh, Jesse. Jesse Louie asked me, would, uh, last offseason, would I trade Ben Simmons for Luka? And me, I was like, nah, I love Ben. I won't do it. <laughs> I wouldn't have said yes Fuck. to that last time. <laughs> I'd trade Joel and Ben for Luka. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a badass right there. That's a badass right there. But, uh, all right, all right guys. Jump. We're going to talk. Good stuff, fellas. I, we're going to be all right. We're going to be all right. Yeah. yeah. I don't feel better, but I like rest, talking to you guys. Rest in peace, Brett. All right, P. Love you, Brett. See you guys. <laughs> Hello, Ron. See you guys. <laughs>